Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of my favorite topics this time of year, and we're kind of moving past the time in which I, I guess this is going to be heavily discussed, but I love the summertime and the possibility of kind of breakout candidates. I, I love the idea that players who have a little bit of notoriety could also gain even more fame in the upcoming year, as I've mentioned many times in the past, that you know Georgia's championship success has really been built on a foundation of talented players making the most of their potential and really becoming the kinds of guys who can be first-round draft picks, first-team All-SEC, national award winners. And when you look ahead to the mission of go for three and 23 for these dogs here this year, you know, that's another one of those things where you have to decide, okay, well, who are the guys who are going to be household names across all of college football before the season is done. Who are those guys going to be? And I think we have some evidence starting to roll in, at least in one big way, of who could be, I don't want to say the focal point of the Georgia defense, because this is a Georgia defense that's going to share glory and share attention across the board here, but certainly a guy that's getting a lot of attention prior to the start of the season is defensive end Mikael Williams. Now, we would say with good reason. We think that Mikael really is – barring some sort of injury barring some sort of weird thing happening really is destined to be exactly the kind of player that a lot of folks think that he can be I'll give you the latest example of this it comes from our friends over at pro football focus and as I point out from time to time PFF is not necessarily everybody's cup of tea we have a tendency to sort of like their metrics and things like that when it kind of confirms our priors and we have a tendency to not like it quite so much when it goes against what we feel like we've seen with our own eyes but nonetheless on their list of like breakout top players the upcoming season really this is top players list for the upcoming season they had Mikhail Williams on the list number 38 let me show you this brand new graphics package that our uh, good friend Casey Smith put together uh you see uh that wrapped around the uh, tweet here Max Chadwick on Mikhail Williams writing that he's one of the biggest breakout candidates for the back-to-back champions next season by next season of course he means this season he gave you some numbers here and the pro football focus numbers don't mean a ton to me but it's a 75.9 run defense grade which was fourth among SEC edge defenders and his six sacks tied for the most among true freshmen 33 pressures by the way also tied for the second most uh and going on to say that like you said you know big chance to be a big time breakout player now this is one of those things that I believe kind of goes beyond just being hype because let's let's face it for a moment hype sort of has a little bit of a negative connotation right I mean hype sort of feels like one of those things that gets blown up more than it possibly should in the case of Williams based on what we saw with their own eyes including some of those numbers that uh the PFF folks shared there it doesn't feel like hype for Williams it just sort of feels like an example of noticing what is happening right before our eyes here that Georgia seems to year after year now have those really dominant players and Williams may be first on the list of a lot of potential guys here for this upcoming year now the cool thing is is obviously as this takes shape in front of us it kind of fulfills a lot of the promise that Williams had a couple of years ago when he was one of the most tatted recruits in the entire country obviously former five-star and things like that and if you go back to some of the interviews that Williams had done with our Jeff Centel our dog nation recruiting insider the idea of being where he is now 
is exactly where Mikael Williams sort of always expected to be. There's one quote in particular that I love from Mikael uh, back from an interview with Jeff Centel where you know he kind of talked about the idea of stepping on a college field and really having uh, the kind of dominant success that it seems like he has had and on the verge of having even more. This is sort of what Mikael Williams sort of always planned to do. I'll remind you of this clip from an interview with Jeff Centel as a recruit to kind of bolster that point. Here is Mikael with Jeff. If somebody's in the stands watching you play tonight for the first time, what do you hope they pick up about what's important to you? Dominance and um, speed and power and like my aggression on defense. They all want to see. I like that, like, the piccolo or whatever it is playing in the background. He's like talking about going out and dominating, slamming quarterback into the turf. And there's like this little piccolo from the marching band kind of warming up behind him as he does. But that's what you need, right? I mean, you know, Georgia's defense here for this upcoming season, there is no Jalen Carter anymore. And the five first round picks from the 2021 team, they're still not coming back either. So where's your dominance coming from? Where's your speed off the edge coming from? You know, how do you go out there and show teeth again as a defense the way that you obviously did uh, for much of the last two seasons when it comes to the national championship success then? Well, Mikhail Williams stands up as kind of one of the most likely candidates to be able to provide all of that. Now, if Kirby Smart were to tune in and listen to this conversation, he would definitely want us to sort of slam the brakes in all of this. Uh, even though Mikel's now going into his second year in the program, some of the things that Kirby has said about Mikel in the past, they are probably still somewhat relevant here of don't get out in front of yourself too much about proclaiming anybody to be a breakout star and just expecting the transition to be the next Jalen Carter or the next, you know, Jordan Davis or the next Trayvon Walker, probably a better overall position comparison. Don't expect any of that to be kind of a natural progression and don't assume anything too much too soon for any of these type of players. How do we know that Kirby Smart would say that? Because this time a year ago, that is what he was saying about uh, Mikhail Williams, who's maybe on the verge of breaking out even more right now. This is a reminder from Kirby Smart in the past, just preaching caution when it comes to guys like Mikhail having the kind of success the pro football focus says that he could get. Here's Kirby Smart. Too early to tell. I mean, look, the expectation is, you know, you guys put so much expectation on these guys. I mean, I'm just trying to get Mikhail to know what a six technique is and a nine technique is, just like I did with Trevon when he first got here. So, you know, he didn't have to beat Trevon Walker. That's not what he has to do. And we're not going to replace Trevon Walker with – we don't have another Trevon Walker. You know, those guys are once-in-a-lifetime players. They're that size and that speed. So um, we're going to coach the guys we got. We're going to, you know, teach them to play really hard, play really physical, um, and not have an expectation that they get compared to someone else because I don't like those comparisons. So in this case, we, as Kirby Smart references, blowhards like me – who's speaking to a microphone, do put so much on guys like Mikael Williams. How could you not? When you see the guy, how he looks in high school, when you kind of measure, the as Mikael talked about, the speed with which he plays the game. Of course, if you talk about football, you're going to talk about guys like this in glowing terms. And sometimes we, blowhards like me that speak into a microphone, have a tendency to sort of blow stuff like this up too much. But we're not always wrong. Every now and then we do uh, kind of point out that guys that sort of looked apart actually end up living into that role. And as a freshman a year ago, Mikhail Williams sort of seemed like that guy. Now Pro Football Focus says he not only takes the next step in his uh, playing development here this season, he will be among the very best players in college football. And based on what most of us have seen with our own eyes, 
we would say that's probably going to be true. Now, let me shift gears and talk about something completely different here for a moment, or at least slightly different here for a moment. Georgia does begin fall camp. Kirby Smart today will speak to reporters, uh, media folks. I think get a chance to see some practice tomorrow. I won't be there in a part of that, but a lot of our Dog Nation folks will be. So a lot of these practice reports are going to start rolling in. We're going to get a lot of that coming up in the days to come. And this is the portion of the preseason calendar where I think there's supposed to be a little bit of a shift in the conversation. I believe that shift is going to occur. You know, I went back and looked at some of the stuff from SEC Media Days. And... So many of the questions that Kirby Smart got when he spoke at the podium on media days were related to something along the lines of how do you keep your team motivated? You know, what's the message of the team? You know, how do you, uh, you know, acknowledging the history that could be at stake for Georgia this year with the idea of go for three in 23. And obviously that's the kind of thing that Kirby Smart is very comfortable talking about. Big picture ideas of motivation fighting complacency and better never rest and eating off the floor or whatever whatever catchphrase that george is trying to use to sort of send that message kirby's always been very comfortable talking about those kinds of things and when you have what georgia has the back-to-back national championship seasons there's a certain amount of questioning in a, an event like that in july where you're going to have a lot of that conversation taking place But to me, when the calendar turns to August and the actual practices begin, Georgia plays its first game now in just a few weeks. To me, the conversation is now supposed to shift to a little bit more specific football stuff, right? We did some of that yesterday of, is the quarterback competition really open? Is, you know, uh, Carson Beck really going to be cemented as the starter? How much of a chance do Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton have? That's a specific football-related question. And this is the time of year which I think those specific football-related questions should take center stage a little bit more. You know, does Ernest Green really hold off Austin Blasky to start at left tackle? What's going to happen at linebacker for Georgia where Smilomonid's dealing with a little bit of an injury? What's going to happen at the cornerback spot opposite Kamari Laster these are the kinds of specific football oriented questions that I think take on greater uh, importance here right now now Kirby doesn't like talking about those things quite as much but these are the questions that just sort of feel more relevant right now especially the last one that I mentioned Georgia having that open spot at cornerback obviously making a little bit of a transition there at safety there too Christopher Smith's not here anymore we think Javon Bullard's going to be a safety alongside Malachi Starks that's probably the best safety pairing not only that anybody does have in college football here this year almost as good a safety pairing as anyone could have in the sport for any time in the foreseeable future but it does sort of lead you to and I think this kind of got lost a little bit in some of the stuff from media days going back to July with all the talk of fighting against complacency and all the other stuff you know Kirby Smart was asked a pretty direct question at one point in time and he actually gave a pretty direct answer before kind of pivoting back to the sort of general big picture speak that kind of dominates a media days type event he was asked how do you get better where do you see room for improvement with your team and Kirby actually gave a pretty specific on-field uh, area in which he thinks that Georgia can get better and improve and I thought given the fact that you know, fall camp is beginning. The work of, uh, you know, putting this football team together for the 2023 season, that begins now in earnest. Looking at one of the few examples of Kirby giving you a specific on-the-field football-type thing at media days might be an appropriate thing to revisit here for a moment. So this is one of the few times during media days where Kirby got really specific about on-field stuff, an area in which he thinks that Georgia can be hopefully anyway better in 2023 than it was in 2022 take a listen to this from kirby smart as fall camp begins 
So going back to the uh, uh, original question of you want to know what we can do better or what I can do better, well, there's a lot of things we can do better. You know, we, we can play much better pass defense late in the season. We can uh, grow as a team and continue to get better in our special teams assets. There's, it's, it's, it's like a constant improvement for us, right? Better never rests. And we firmly believe that. So that, to me, is worth paying attention to as this fall camp gets going, as it rolls on, as you get ready for, you know, not just uh, – you know, early season games against Tennessee Martin because you're not going to learn much against that. But look at who Georgia does play in September. It's Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Uh, were you impressed with how Rattler threw the ball against Tennessee? Were you impressed with South Carolina and beating Clemson? That's a game where you're Georgia, even though you beat them 48-70 a year ago, having some semblance to your pass uh, defense figured out probably matters against the Gamecocks. Think about September 30th on the road at Auburn. Obviously right now, you know, if it's Peyton Thorne, the transfer from – Michigan State or if it's Robbie Ashford the guy who's been there if one of those two guys is the starting quarterback for Auburn I think on paper neither guy necessarily scares you all that much Thorne probably the better passer than Ashford than Ashford is but this is also a Hugh Freeze coached team and Hugh Freeze always seems to have some sort of ability to get wide receivers open and some sort of ability to create things in his passing game no matter who the personnel he's working with really is so you do get a couple of opportunities relatively early in the season to see what the Georgia pass defense looks like and it is true that while you know there was wasn't much to be said about the national championship game against TCU before that certainly Ohio State had plenty of success against Georgia through the air uh, you know, the truth is the Ohio State passing game was probably better in that particular moment than it had been almost any point in time in, in the season up to that point. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, had had some nice moments, but the entire passing attack all, all the way around for Ohio State, you know, led by C.J. Stroud, who probably played the best game of his life that day against Georgia. And some of that can be attributed to the Georgia pass defense not having as much success as Georgia fans would have liked for it to have. Prior to that, the SEC championship against LSU was kind of a non-competitive football game, but when Garrett Nussmeyer came in at the quarterback spot for LSU, they clearly found some success through the air. So Kirby Smart, I think it's interesting, one of the very few, one of the rare moments from SEC media days when he got specific about on-field stuff related to football, said, I want our team to show better pass defense this year than we showed at the end of last season. So I think that does put the spotlight on what's going to happen opposite Kamari Laster. There's a there's a cornerback competition ongoing. And maybe a guy like Dalen Everett emerges as a starter there. And maybe maybe Dalen Everett's one of the you know better young players in the entirety of the SEC. But it needs to be somebody, and that guy needs to step in and be effective. Obviously, you're filling the shoes of Keely Ringo, who wasn't always perfect while playing for Georgia, but was certainly historic when you look at the national championship that sealed the, the, the interception that sealed the national championship win in 2021. Same thing for what's going to happen with your safeties there with Bullard and Malachi Starks. We expect them to be outstanding, but they kind of need to be, given the fact that that Georgia, when it plays its biggest games, is going to have to be a, a little more kind of locked down in the uh, past defense department than maybe it was at the end of last season. So if you kind of want to gravitate towards where the interest and intrigue is going to be uh, for Georgia as it starts fall camp, use Kirby Smart's own words as your guide there. Uh, he says, we got to be better with our pass defense. That's an area in which we get a chance to improve. And so as you listen to these practice reports and you hear folks talk about what they're seeing there at UGA practice, who's emerging, how things are working out, keep in mind, this is an area in which Kirby Smart says he wants improvement. And if that's what he wants, Kirby Smart typically gets exactly what he wants. 
My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Manage. Thanks for being with us. Episode 2001 of our program. We get to work on the next thousand here right now, and the next couple thousand after that, hopefully. Anyway, we're just really happy to have you with us as we do all of that, whether you join us on video, dognation.com. We start at 945 for our first and 15, the app as well, uh, across the rest of the platforms. You know, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and all of those radio noon every day with our friends on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. And as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com is where you post the show. Some of you listen directly on SoundCloud. There's a million different ways, seemingly anyway, to connect with our show. We just appreciate you picking one and making that uh, a part of your you know, daily habit, your ritual. It's just a truly, truly generous act on your part to allow us to be a part of your Georgia football conversation. So thank you so much for that. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible there as well. And of course, they are the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. I've seen some stuff coming out as of late about some of the new look to Sanford Stadium here this year. When you go to the uh, stadium, you're going to see, especially on the south side, it's going to look a little different than it has in the past, which is kind of fun and exciting. And of course, when you're there walking around, many of you can't wait to be there in September. Don't forget, as you're walking around looking at that, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics, our friends at Breda Pest Manager, they take good care of that stadium. They protect it from bugs and critters and termites and everything else. And the same level of protection that Breda Pest Manager provides to UGA, they can provide for you there as well. So it's time to make the switch to Breda Pest Manager. Uh, when you do so, you'll be trusting a company that's been in business since 1975 with 125 employees. But more importantly than that, their resource, their history of success, the great heritage they have as a business can be leveraged for your benefit fit too because when you make the switch to Breda Pest Management you're going to put more money in your pocket instantly just for making that decision the company you work with they may send you that letter in the mail that says your cost of service is going up well guess what at Breda Pest Management the opposite is going to happen they're going to tell you how you're going to be saving money with them and this time of year uh, this time in our sort of you know lives it seems like saving money where we can is such an important thing and that's what Breda Pest Management provides so please check them out the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics please find them online that's BredaPest.com b-r-e-d-a bradapest.com you can find more of them online there bradapest.com b-r-e-d-a bradapest.com for a lot more on that okay we have a very busy show coming up late before we're done a debut this week of a brand new fun show from a dog nation we're going to talk to a kaylee manzel about that kaylee's going to be a big part of that and so we'll tell you how you can also be a big part of that too we'll do that before we're done mike griffith stops by here in a couple of minutes there too as a way of previewing the start of georgia fall camp and what to expect here from this team here this year we'll cover all that ground with Mike Griffith on that coming up in a couple of minutes there as well. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. Obviously, big fan of uh, Dr. Pepper. You saw Kaylee Mansell yesterday give me the uh, great gift of a nice 12-pack here of uh, Dr. Pepper uh, to enjoy. That's a big part of the fuel that allows me to do this show each and every day. And I'm not even being – I'm <laughs> being quite serious about that so uh i certainly appreciate that i appreciate dr pepper strawberries and cream for being a part of our uh around the dog house here today and there is something that we had intended to do a few days ago we just hadn't had quite time to do it as of yet and that's look back on a really fun interview that jeff centel had with georgia quarterback commit dylan riola a week ago when Dylan was a part of the first ever Georgia high school football media day. Of course, Dylan moves into Georgia, going to be going to Buford, going to be the quarterback for the 7A Wolves as they try to make a push towards the state championship here this year. Kind of a shocking upset a year ago, and they lost to Walton in the second round. So Buford, one of the fascinating teams 
in Georgia high school football for uh, this upcoming season. And Dylan's obviously getting ready for all of that. But also the kind of intrigue around this Buford team right now sort of centers around what's going to happen on Saturday. That's when the five-star athlete, K.J. Bolden, a safety in college, but a guy that's also a terrific wide receiver for this uh, Buford team in high school, he's getting ready to make his college decision. And we talked about this you know, a lot over the course of the last couple of days that I think there's some real genuine mystery here where I think that Georgia fans – for the most part have felt good about this for a while but as you get closer there's there's no doubt there's been a strong push made by other programs ohio state has been been a factor in this seemingly since the beginning florida state made a really really strong push as of late Uh, auburn had its turn on the weekend you know kj certainly said lots of nice things about auburn coming off that visit to the big cat weekend uh this past weekend what does all of that mean you know how much of a factor is uh, an Auburn or a Florida State or an Ohio State in this recruitment is Georgia still the leader at one point time the way it was sort of viewed to be and what role does Dylan Riola play in all of this as a now teammate of Bolden's there at Buford well on that we can hear Dylan in his own words about that this is what he said about KJ Bolden's upcoming decision and what he'll try to do to sway that decision this is Dylan Riola from a week ago I think he just got to do what he feels um, I try not to bug him by recruiting I think as we come down the line, I might, might give him a picture too. But, I mean, KJ is a phenomenal athlete, great person, great family. Um, and I think he's going to do his best for himself. Um, I hope it's Georgia, but if it's not, I'm going to support him in whatever he decides to do. I think you see two things present in that clip. First of all, I think you see a guy in Dylan Riola kind of wise beyond his years from the standpoint that, you know, the best salespeople are always going to be subtle in how they go about making their sales pitch. You know, Riola says they're of – hey, I may give him a little subtle thing later on. I may kind of, you know, say something to him one way or another. But for the most part, I'm kind of allowing K.J. Bolden to make his own decision on this. That's the way any good salesman's always going to do there on that. We know how open and active Riola has been on social media, celebrating the big recruiting wins that George has gotten, spurring other guys to try to make a similar decision. We know how much Dylan wants to impact positively this Georgia 2024 class. We see the evidence of that, of course. But when it comes to one of his teammates – not being too pushy, not being too aggressive seems like the right ploy, at least in Riola's mind. I would think, think that's probably true there as well. Of Hey, you know, you present some quiet confidence. You, you kind of make your case when the when the case needs to be made. You make your sort of subtle, you know, uh, uh, you know kind of relaxed push at the, just the right time. That may be enough to kind of get Georgia over the finish line with Bolden perhaps. But the other thing that you see present here is, which is – you know, Dylan Riola's got his own objectives in mind for being here at Buford here right now. Now, that's probably a long-term play for the Riola family as it is. But in terms of Dylan in particular, he is now on one of the most watched and noticed high school teams in the entire country. He comes from a state like Arizona into a state like Georgia where there's just going to be additional attention paid to him as a high school quarterback. And so some of what you hear from Riola there when it comes to talking about K.J. Bolden is the fact that you know Dylan has a responsibility, I think, right now, first and foremost, to be a good member of this Buford Wolves team. And this is the time of year. One of the reasons why we always see that flurry of commitments in July is because guys want to be over and done with the recruiting so they can focus their attention on what's going to happen in August with high school games, with the start of senior seasons. And these guys are competitors. And you know, in the case of Dylan Riola, this isn't just a brief stopover 
uh, on his way to UGA. And this, this isn't just a presence on campus to be kind of an extra recruiter here for Georgia. No, uh, Ryle is here for both a season and a reason. He wants to win a state championship in Georgia. He wants to bring uh, you know that success to himself personally, to the team collectively. And I think you've got to kind of respect that as much as Georgia fans you know, probably want Dylan, you know, knocking on that door all the time. Hey, uh, KJ, come to Georgia, come to Georgia, come to Georgia. As much as you want that happening over and over and over again, from Dylan's perspective, he says, you know what? I'm trying to be a good teammate here too. We've got a mission we're trying to accomplish there at Buford. We're competitors. We want to compete on these fields on Friday night. And so he's kind of thinking about some of that alongside the decision that Bolden's going to make on uh, Saturday. And I think those of us who kind of, you know, follow this sport at both levels, the college and the high school level, I think we can kind of understand and appreciate all of that. And I guess it's also probably fair to point out that whatever Bolden does on Saturday, that probably doesn't end all this recruitment anyway. So, you know, there'll be plenty more times to sway, you know, Bolden towards Georgia or away from Georgia by somebody else or whatever else as we head towards December when all this comes to a conclusion. But on the idea, as I mentioned, of Riola being here, being at Buford, making the best kind of case for himself as a player, helping Buford do something in the 7A classification this year that it was not able to do a year ago. That's something that Dylan certainly seems very focused on right now, and he said as much on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger last week. This is Dylan Riola on the topic of now being a part of the great history and the tradition and the pageantry that is Georgia high school football. Here's Dylan Riola. I wouldn't say different. I still believe football is football. Um, you know, there's, there's better talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, I feel that the system that I'm in now fits, fits me a little better than, than it was. But that's out of my control. I'm just control what I can control. Um, you know, I finally got fully healthy this year. Uh, you know, I played with, with an injury last year that you know, I, nobody really knows about, but you know, they don't need to. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to show this year what our team can do and what beautiful football, what beautiful football is about. Interesting there to hear Riola say that he's actually healthier now than he was maybe going into a, uh, a junior season uh, a year ago. That's kind of, a, I guess, an interesting perspective here that he feels like he's more ready to show what he is as a quarterback, despite the fact that over the course of the last 12 months, he had become the number one prospect in the entire country. Riola apparently thinks he's a better version of himself right now than he was then. The other thing that you hear from Dylan there is a comfort in a Buford offense that he says is greater than it would have been out in Arizona. Now, for those of us who kind of feel like we know Georgia high school football, and that's one of the things we've talked about with a couple of guests here recently is, you know, Buford as a team does not have a history of just throwing the ball all over the yard. That's not something they've necessarily done a lot of. And so it has kind of led me to wonder. We talked to Terrence Edwards about this last Thursday. It's kind of led me to wonder, well, how much is, you know, Dylan really going to get a chance to kind of show what he is from a passing standpoint? How much will they put the ball in the air? And how big and prolific can his stat line be playing there at Buford? I think we still don't quite know that yet, but it is certainly uh, compelling to hear Riola say, hey, I actually feel really comfortable in this Buford offense. I think it's a really good fit for my skill set. And obviously, Riola connecting with K.J. Bolden, who is a you know big-time wide receiver, obviously at the high school level, boy, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're going to have some of these games on Petrie TV here this year. Anytime these stat, these these highlights are put up online, you better believe people are going to be gravitating towards them. It's just a really entertaining subplot, right, to have the future Georgia quarterback, at least a guy that's going to be competing to be that starting uh, uh, quarterback in the years to come, playing in the state here for his final year at one of the uh, really most well-known teams in the entire country. Really interesting stuff coming up with Dylan Riola there at Buford and – 
fun to hear him talk about that and also the relationship that he's forming with KJ Bolden. By the way, there's a lot more that Dylan said about KJ that didn't have time to play for you here. So if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, we actually have the full interview with Dylan Raiola kind of isolated as a standalone video. You can watch that there on that. But for now, we'll make that around the doghouse. Poured today by Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And of course, I love Dr. Pepper. One of the proudest moments for me in my Dog Nation daily career was bringing on Dr. Pepper as a part of Around the Doghouse because I love the chance to tell you and I really feel incredibly privileged to think that Dr. Pepper trusted our show to be the platform in which they kind of debut a brand new permanent flavor offering Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream and Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar. That's an awesome new thing from Dr. Pepper. So many of you are trying it. Uh, you're loving it. You can stop by and get it at your local Kroger. Obviously, wherever you're kind of shopping for your groceries, you sort of see it there. The same great care that Dr. Pepper takes with all of the other flavor offerings they've uh, provided to us uh, they're doing the same stuff here with dr pepper strawberries and cream and dr pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar and many of you know really no one does the zero sugar offerings better than dr pepper they've been famous for that for a long time the same great flavor that you get from from the other stuff you get from the zero sugar there as well so the dr pepper strawberries and cream is going to be no different so please try it if you haven't already get some at your local kroger get some wherever you're doing your shopping dr pepper is one of our favorites and we love the brand new dr pepper strawberries and cream and dr pepper strawberries and cream zero sugar all right before we are done today i told you we're going to bring on kaylee manzel here and preview a brand new show we're going to be doing around dog nation that is going to be a lot of fun also i have a bone to pick with a college football assistant coach who may have taken a step towards ruining one of my preseason predictions i'll tell you why that is here coming up in just a little bit but for now we got business to take care of georgia back at it fall camp is beginning kirby smart speaks today practice reports start rolling in the dogs get busy with the work of actual football here right now so let's cover it all with a guy who'll be on the scene for it all mike griffith here on dog nation daily presented by breda pest management From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll bring in Mike Griffith here, uh, Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by uh, uh, Breda Pass Manager here today. Mike, I was talking about this before you joined us a moment ago. Are you kind of like me in which this time of year it seems like there's a really appropriate transition that takes place? And it's really not to suggest that I don't believe when, you know, Georgia talks about fighting against complacency and all the kind of the motivational stuff and the connectivity stuff that George is all about I, I think that stuff does matter to them I think they do mean it when they say it but there's an element in which I like it when the transition takes place and all of a sudden we talk we start talking more about specific tangible football things going to be happening on the field and position battles and specific kind of you know game related type stuff and it seems like that's what the fall camp kind of provides here are you like me kind of ready for that transition to sort of take place here for this football team really across the entire country as all these teams start getting ready for the upcoming season yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, especially with, like you said, the questions that Georgia has to answer, and you know, as much as it is, you know, those guys. It, it's. I, I like. I like listening to Kirby Smart. You know, kind of give us the tone, and he'll tell you, you. You'll have a really good read for where he's at and what he thinks, and that's what's fun about covering his press conferences. Um, you know, he's tried to maintain a calm, poised, I like this team attitude throughout the offseason, even even when things were going really not well. Um, he hasn't wavered in his confidence in the team. But, you know, now that the season's closing in, 
I think we're going to get a better read on on how you know these players perform together. Not just the team attitude, not just the talent or how they get along, but what Kirby actually sees happening out there between the lines. Yeah, one of the things I kind of highlighted before you joined us too was at media days when Kirby was asked a direct question about where he wanted to see improvement, he actually gave a direct answer. And I think some of this kind of kind of hid in plain sight going back to media days. You know, Smart said he he wanted to see better pass defense from this team than what it sh- showed late last season. We forget about some of that because Georgia won the national championship game 65-7 to and because Georgia scored so many points in its three postseason games, it kind of obscured some of this there too. But, you know, clearly C.J. Stroud for Ohio State had the game of his life. Garrett Nussmeyer came in for LSU, had a lot of success moving the football through the air. And if you're wanting to zero in on where, you know, maybe Georgia's kind of staring at a key issue right now, I think that pass defense is a big part of this. We don't know one of the cornerback starters opposite Kamari Laster. You know, I think that Georgia's going to be really, really strong with its safety, you know, positions. But the transition from Javon Bullard from star over to safety kind of creates a little bit of a void to be filled to the star spot. Maybe that's Tyke Smith. Maybe he's ready to go. Uh, but but nonetheless, you know, seeing how some new guys kind of step into to new roles there in the secondary and seeing how this secondary performs against the best quarterbacks that it'll face, including a guy like Spencer Rattler in the month of September, uh, a relatively early test for this team here. Watching the evolution of this past defense that Smart talked about back in July, I think that's a, probably a pretty fair thing to have a little bit of a microscope on. Well, you know, as you know, it all goes together. And, you know, last year when you had a pass rush with guys like Nolan Smith and, and Jalen Carter, and it would have been nice to see more of those guys on the field together. I mean, they were both injured at different times. Just when they played together, they were pretty devastating. Um, but each and each one of them was able to, you know, be a game changer. And I, I just, with those two guys gone, it's, it's just a matter to see, you know, who steps up and to what extent. Um, because as we talked about last week, if, if he can't get uh, a difference maker or a, a train wrecker, as he called it, if he can't find one of those players, he said he would have to do some other things to create pressure. And, and that could mean, you know, uh, you know, Robin from Peter to pay Paul, which, you know, may mean, you know, more pressures, which sounds good until you realize that's one less guy in coverage. And I, I feel good about the secondary talent. I, I think it's good. I'm, I have confidence in Bullard. I'm sure Kirby you know, really put them through the ropes in the spring uh, before they made that move. And, you know, I've kind of heard through the grapevine, they're really optimistic about how Javon's going to do back there at safety. Um, a guy that nobody's really talking about that maybe should be more talked about is Tyke Smith. I think I think Tyke had a fantastic spring, and, you know, I, th- I think he'll bring a lot to the nickel spot. So I, I feel like the secondary is, is strong from a personal standpoint. But to your point, uh, if Georgia is not able to generate as much of a pass rush or as much disruption as they did by denning the pocket, I mean, even when Jalen Carter didn't get the sack, he pushed the linemen back in the faces of the quarterbacks. Who's going to do that now, and how does that affect how much time the secondary is, is forced to you know kind of stay in coverage back there? Yeah, a couple things on that real quick. First of all, you mentioned uh, liking the secondary. you got an early handicap. Who do you think starts at cornerback opposite Kamari Laster? I think it's Everett. I think it's Dalen Everett. I thought he looked good last, you know, last year too. I just he was just deep, very deep. Um, you know, there's still time. There's plenty of competition, but that that would be my pick. I, I like I said, I I was uh, bullish on the way he looked. Um, you know, at times last year and what I saw in the spring game, I think he's really good. 
And as far as the pass rush goes, you know, t- that's always kind of a hot button issue for me a little bit. And while I certainly think that Nolan Smith was a great player, George, I truly do. Nolan was not a great pass rusher. Nolan did not get after the uh, the quarterback always. He did a lot of other things really well for Georgia. But, you know, you don't really think of Nolan from a pass rush standpoint, I don't think. I'd actually be really surprised if this pass rush this season for Georgia isn't better than it was a year ago. Now, clearly Jalen Carter provides a lot up the middle. And that, as you said, kind of created – a little bit of a challenge for offenses because when you kind of slid over to kind of watch out for him and created other opportunities other places and the biggest games Georgia played a year ago the pass rush was just fine but for a full season this was about as little as a, of pass rush that we've seen from a college ball playoff era national champion this year with a healthier Marvin Jones Jr. Mikhail Williams who I talked about off the top of the show you know you know on and on you go I think the potential for a far more effective and consistent pass rush this season uh, I'll be surprised if we don't see that in comparison to what we saw in 2022 now will it be as good as 2021 I guess that remains to be seen but um but I certainly have expectations that's one of the areas in which this Georgia team this year can be better than it was last season yeah you know what's great about football is you know everybody sees it different you know and you and I don't always see eye to eye this is one area I would vehemently disagree I, I just don't think you lose Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and get better I think that maybe some of the reason why we didn't see the numbers is because teams got the ball out quick because you knew who was lined up on the edge you gave him extra attention you know we see him doing some great things in the Eagles camp right now uh, beating a lot of pass protection and and Jalen Carter is just such a a generational talent um, you know I just gosh Brandon I'm trying to think if I've covered a guy as disruptive as Jalen Carter in any of the programs I've been at. Um, he's just such a, you know, maybe John Henderson, the Outland Trophy winner in 2001 with his height. Haynesworth flashed, but he wasn't nearly as consistent as 88. Um, I mean, 88 was just such a dominator. And you think back to the Tennessee game and the way they just, they were just in Hendon Hooker's face all day. You know, the crowd was making so much noise. I mean, it was just a nightmare for Tennessee. You know, they couldn't they couldn't communicate. They couldn't hold up on the offensive line. Jalen Carter was all over the field. Uh, you know, Ohio State had to give so much attention to that guy when they played him. I just don't know if there's another guy that's ready to be that. Now, could Jordan Hall grow into that? Maybe. But his freshman year didn't. You know, I don't think that. You know, I don't forecast him to have the kind of freshman year that Jalen did. And maybe not even Jordan Davis back when you picked him out. I think we were three or four games into Jordan's freshman year, and you basically ID'd him and said, this guy's going to be a difference maker. I didn't, before anybody else did, you saw him coming in in reserve. I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll see that out of Jordan Hall, but I haven't seen those moments out of Stackhouse or Brinson yet. Maybe this year will be different. You know, some guys, you know, Devontae Wyatt is a guy, you know, that you know maybe wasn't as talked about before, you know, and then boom, he turns into a first-rounder. Maybe that's what we'll see out of Stackhouse or Logue uh, or Warren Brinson. But I haven't seen those moments like we saw out of 88, um, Ben, from the first time he was on the field. You said, who is this guy? And then, and then on the edge – I think no one got a lot of attention. I do. You're right. He wasn't as productive from a number standpoint, but boy, he was a handful. And Brandon, I just can't tell you how many times I remember watching Nolan in backside pursuit. And he may not have got to that quarterback, but man, he had those guys running for their lives and he'd be closing in on them and 
they'd have to throw the ball away fast or throw a bad pass just because he was so fast in pursuit. Um, who's that guy going to be? Could it be Chaz Chambliss or will it be one of the young freshmen? It's exciting to see, you know, who could be the next one up, the next man up uh, to fill really big shoes of uh, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. And maybe you're right. Maybe their sack numbers will be better. Um, that would mean it'd be a glorious season because uh, teams would be playing from behind, throwing the football uh, a lot. What's the most interesting thing for you about the offensive side of the ball right now? Well, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm more into the quarterback drama than some. I know you, you disagree with me there. I, I think I've heard you say you feel pretty confident that it'll be back. I, I do too, but I just don't know. I, I, I don't know how they're going to manage it. I, I want to know how deep are they going to go into the season with two or three. How much of a competition is there really? So I'm intrigued by that. I just I don't think it's quite the default that maybe others do. I've, I've just heard enough things to make me wonder just how deep that quarterback situation might be. You know, I had Cole Kubelik on my show Monday night, and he brought up a really good point I hadn't thought about. One of the awesome things about the Georgia offense last year was just how diverse they were. I mean, my goodness, they could – they had every play in the book, like Kubelik said. I mean, how? And so the question is, how diverse can they be this year? Number one, the personnel isn't quite as diverse. Yeah, I think your running backs can catch passes, but I don't think you've got a guy that can catch the ball like Kenny McIntosh, not downfield. I think they can all catch the, some short passes. But I don't think the running back is going to be as involved downfield in the pass game. And then two, you know, Kirby said, yeah, you, you could put in another tight end, but you're not replacing Darnell Washington. That's what Kirby said. It's not that simple. There's nobody else like him that's going to move the defense like Darnell does. So how does Georgia look in a more conventional three-wide, one-tight-end offense? You know, how many different things can Lovett do? How many different ways can Lad McConkey affect the game? And then, you know, does Ra-Ra Thomas step up and fill the shoes of Adani Mitchell as an X? I don't think Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint does. I think... I think Marcus Rosemey Jackson is a different type of player. I think he's good. I think he's reliable, dependable, strong hands, good blocker. But I don't know that he makes the acrobatic catches that Adane did at key times and that Rara was recruited to make. So I wonder what the offense looks like, and I wonder how deep the quarterback drama goes. Yeah, so what I said about the quarterback thing yesterday was, Mike, and you're right, I mean, I'm, I've been fairly pro back this this, this this summer and my reason for fi- being that way i don't mind telling you is is that i felt like we saw a level of maturity from carson that i don't know that he always had you know i think carson himself would say that hey in 2021 when he had his chance in that uab game uh he just didn't step up and take the job right i mean and the fact that carson in some of the conversations he's had this offseason has been kind of open and honest about that to me that looks like maturity that looks like growth and i thought he played during spring you know whispers from what people saw during practice what we all saw with g-day i thought he played with a little bit of maturity and growth i'm actually probably more pro carson beck than i expected to be just kind of based on what i thought about him prior to this as a quarterback what i think i see now so you know my chips are still down on carson to not only start the first game but to be the starting quarterback for georgia barring injury you know throughout this season but what i did say yesterday on the show mike is 
is that, you know, we've heard uh, David Green, a great former Georgia quarterback, kind of leave the door open for major competition. Kirby potentially respecting Brock Vandegrift's mobility. You know, uh, Jake Fromm talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, about, hey, you know, maybe the door is a little open in this competition, maybe more so than we thought. What I said yesterday was it seems like there's been a little bit of a vibe shift, and maybe this is just the desire to see something interesting occur during fall camp, or maybe it really is real that the consideration should be made that the quarterback competition still is open and the level of certainty that some of us thought we had after G-Day, maybe we had a little too much of that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm at least considering that as a possibility. My bet is on back, and I think the spring was all the evidence I needed to see. But it's at least been one of those things where some of the guests we've had on the show as of late have forced me to consider the possibility of, you know, a surprise could still occur. I'm disappointed that I wasn't enough to get you to consider that. It, it took David Green and Jake Prom, but I should have also point. mentioned you as well, Mike. I apologize. I apologize. Well, well, here's here's kind of my thought on it. I don't think there's a right answer to this yet. This is what I think. I think with Kirby, it comes down to trust. You know, and I take it all the way back to Eason and Prom. When they stand next to each other and throw the ball, Eason looks better than Prom. No doubt, he's got more arm talent. Why did they go with Prom? Well, Eason got hurt, but Eason came back. It wasn't a given that it had to stay from, but Kirby found someone who he trusted. He trusted his decision-making. And say this for Stetson, and I was critical of Stetson in 20, particularly in 2021. I thought he was inconsistent, I think, about the interceptions against Florida. There were times he stumbled and stuttered and didn't play well. But the one thing that he did in 2022 was a different Stetson. Stetson was much more polished. He improved his footwork. I thought he got really good coaching, and I think he became an NFL quarterback in 2022. 2021 version, not so much, more inconsistent. But 2022 Stetson was much better, and, and Munkin had had an opportunity to prepare an offense around his strengths, so that made sense. But the one thing that wasn't consistent about Stetson, even when he was not um, as polished as he, as he is now, is he was clutch. Stetson was clutch. You, you can say what you want about him, uh, overall or consistency or whether he got a degree or not or any of that kind of stuff. But when games were on the line, the guy performed, and you could count on him to perform. And you don't really know that about someone until they're in that position, right? And Beck hasn't been in that position. We don't know. We, and neither is Vandergriff. Neither is we really don't know what's going to happen when push comes to shove. And I know you've heard the old axiom that, you learn more about people um, during times of adversity than you do times of success. I think, I think we all can reflect on that personally, Brandon. You know, um, you and I have known each other long enough to, I think, have a mutual respect in that way for one another. Um, and I think that it's going to take tests and it's going to take time before Kirby Smart ultimately and Mike Bobo ultimately decide who they trust in those moments of crisis. And, and I don't know when those moments that they, they'll do everything they can to create that in practice, but they don't they don't get hit that they don't get hit in practice. And I don't know how deep into the season we're going to be before you're really going to have an opportunity to find that out. I, I said it's a jamboree schedule in September. I, you know, I, I you know I'm as bullish on Spencer Rattler as anyone, um, but I just don't think South Carolina has enough at the line of scrimmage to pose much of a threat to me. And I could be way off with this. I don't know why I make these predictions when I don't have to, but that's a program. As much as I like Shane Beamer, I just 
I think that's a program that, that's, that's going to falter this year. Old Miss as well. Just a couple of early picks for you. Somebody's got to lose in this league. They can't all be good. Um, I, I just feel like it's going to be a minute until we know who this, who the guy is that he trusts. And I wonder how long will Kirby keep two oars in the water with two quarterbacks um, before he finally decides it's just one. That's that's what I mean. Is it going to take a road game at Auburn before he comes out of there and goes, you know, because that's kind of what happened for Stett. I, I remember that game that, that Stetson played at Auburn, and Kirby came out of there and, like, he was sold. That was it. Stetson played well enough in that game uh, that, that that's when I think that Stetson cemented himself with Kirby Smart. I wonder when and who will have that moment this year. So would you join me in saying this to, cl- to close out our discussion today? that if Brock Vandegrift is having the kind of summer that makes it seem like he could be an effective starting quarterback for Georgia if need be, Kirby won't keep that a secret, right? I mean, you know, you mentioned Jake Fromm a moment ago. The, the point that I've mentioned many times on our show is when Fromm arrived at Georgia in 2017, Kirby spent the entirety of the offseason talking him up. You know, you know, he's making a big push. You know, he's going to compete. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. It seems like Jake had kind of won Kirby over pretty quick, and Kirby talked him up a lot. And so ultimately, when Jacob Eason did get hurt, they stuck with Jake because it seems like Jake had won Kirby over pretty quick. That if Vandegrift, by the way that he's practicing, by the way that he's like the aura that he casts as the quarterback, if that's the kind of thing that they trust, they'll probably talk about it, and Kirby will probably talk about it. I mean, like literally – you know praise him like say hey he, you know he's doing a great job things like that that if that if he's performing in such a way that he could be the starting quarterback that's not typically the kind of thing that Kirby would choose to keep a secret because it only spices up the competition it only pushes Carson more it only helps teammates build confidence in Vandergriff in the event that they do turn to him that if Vandergriff is doing well Georgia won't choose to keep that under wraps do you agree with that I'm going to take a different approach I'm going to take a different approach. That that's possible. You you know the history of I wasn't here for the from freshman year as a as a regular everyday beat writer. So you have the history of that. But let's play this scenario out. Let's say he praises Vandergriff and Beck starts to go off the rails and fall camp. If you shut Beck down, you might lose both of them. You you want to do what you need to do to keep them both engaged, right? Vandergriff doesn't need praise. He's just fine. He's cooking along just fine. Vandergriff didn't need to have a good spring game to stick around. I think Beck did. I think I think if you reverse the roles and you started Vandergriff and he was the one that had the good spring game and Beck had a bad poor game, bad spring game, I think Beck transfers. I think the script was such that Beck needed to have a good spring because you want to have both of them on, you know, on board. You want to have two to choose from. Once you go away from Beck, I don't know that you're able to come back. Because of his confidence. I mean, I go back to 2021. You know, once Stetson beat him out UAB week, you didn't see a whole lot of Beck the rest of the year. Because he, he, he checked out. He wasn't there. He told you that. So is he a guy that could, you know, that's what I'm saying. But if you, if you continue to praise Beck and you keep Beck number one, but you know that Vandergriff's doing his thing, you keep both of them. You got both options. But if you change horses early and it's Vandergriff, I don't, I don't know that Beck comes back from that. So that's the only reason. And and the transfer portal is different now. I don't know that Kirby would manage things the same way, and and he may, but he may not. I don't know if he, looking back, if he would manage 2017 the same way if the transfer portal was an option back then to the extent it is now. I think that's a, 
I think it's a game changer. It's kind of like I did a radio show in Tuscaloosa this morning. They got three Alabama quarterbacks, and they say nobody really knows who it's going to be. Well, Nick doesn't want you to know who it's going to be. Because if you know who it's going to be, they know who it's going to be, and one of them's out of there. So the longer you can keep these guys engaging in fall camp, the better. I think I think we kind of saw a little bit of this, Brandon. I've, I've always had a sneaking suspicion. I've had more than a suspicion. All right, I've got sources on it. Jamie Newman knew he wasn't the guy. That's why he checked out. He was done. When Munkin went out and signed JT Daniels after spending the spring with Newman, that was not a good sign for Jamie Newman that they just went out and got a five-star guy from Southern Cal who they thought was going to be ready for the opener. Then he wasn't. And we had that mess with, you know, Dwan and Stetson had to come in and save the day at Arkansas. But think back to that. I think Newman knew he wasn't the guy. That's why he checked out. That's why he was out. Done. I don't, I'm not saying that Beck would transfer. I'm not saying that he would. But I just don't know where he would be mentally if he got beat out again, yet again. Because remember, he was the number two. The clear-cut number two going into 2021 was Carson Beck. We weren't even talking about Stett. And, and when Stett got announced on the scoreboard, I remember I broke the story that morning that he was going to start. And I had people calling me out, you know, because this organization wrote that or whatever. And you're wrong. And, and then he got announced on the scoreboard as the starter for UAB and some fans booed. And, and I joyfully wrote how Stetson tied the school record with five touchdown passes in the first 30 minutes. Brandon, if Kirby wanted, Stetson would have thrown 10 that day, right? Beck never came back. So that's the only reason why I think Kirby is going to be guarded with the quarterback talk because I, I, don't know, I don't know where people are at psychologically or mentally or what the repercussions could be if there was a public demotion. All right, Mike, we'll look forward to reading everything you got coming at dognation.com in the days to come. Appreciate you being on our show here today. It's that time of year. It's a lot of fun. So thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. All right, thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So let me say one more thing about the quarterback stuff and how it's going to likely play out here right now. Still think it's going to be Carson Beck. Still think, I actually think the Beck's set up to have probably a pretty good year because that's what you would expect from any Georgia quarterback in this current era for the program but in terms of the kind of summer that he's having or i always call it summer i guess it's fall camp that's really what it's called it seems weird to call it fall camp as if we're gonna have like our pumpkin spice latte when it's 115 degrees outside but that's i guess sort of the official you know name of it fall camp the the point is though that if beck is having the kind of august that would lead you to believe he's going to be the kind of quarterback georgia needs for him to be you know that won't be a secret either it just won't like here's the way in which like the rumor mill works around the fall camp stuff good news leaks all the time oh so and so is having a great camp so and so is doing this so and so is doing that bad news never leaks out and it just sort of stands to reason that the natural dispersion rate of life is well if it's possible for so and so to have a good camp somebody somewhere is having a bad camp somebody showed up 15 pounds overweight right i mean it's just like it's just sort of a it just that's just the way that life works naturally if someone's capable of having a good camp then somebody somewhere else probably not having a good camp we always hear about the guy having a good camp we never hear the leak about so and so having a bad camp i'm not even saying i'm like desirous to hear the bad news i'm just saying just notice how the rumor mill works good news leaks all the time bad news never leaks so when it comes to the quarterback situation 
no news is not good news, right? If it's good news, it'll leak out. If Carson Beck is just leading his team, and if he's the field general marching his team down the field, there will be no shortage of people, probably Kirby Smart himself included, who are ready to step up and talk about this. But if it's quiet, eh, that's uh, like think about when it's been quiet. Jamie Newman, quiet as a mouse. We still don't know exactly what happened there. Mike, uh, you know, gave you uh, his perspective on that a moment ago. But all these years later, it's still relatively quiet about Jamie Newman. And going into the 2020 season, right up until the point he opted out, kind of quiet around Jamie Newman. No news was not good news. Some of the stuff involving JT Daniels, the fact that it took him until the Mississippi State game in 2020 to play, the fact that, you know, whatever occurred around the UAB game and all that kind of stuff that ultimately took him off the field for Georgia. Kind of quiet around JT Daniels there for a while. No news was not good news. That bad news doesn't leak. Good news leaks all the time. Bad news doesn't leak. I don't think so-and-so's got it or so-and-so's having a hard time getting out. You know, whatever the, the real story is in certain situations like that. It's one of those things, bad news doesn't leak, so therefore no news should be looked at as bad news. If it's quiet around Carson Beck, eh, that may not be great news. If it's one of those things where Kirby's out there saying this or if the other players are saying that, if they trot out Carson Beck to speak to reporters, that would certainly maybe be the strongest indication of all that, yeah, he is on his way to being the quarterback it looked like he'd be post-G-Day. And if Brock Vandergriff is making a Jake Fromm-style push as a number two to potentially unseat number one, once again, I believe Mike had a different perspective. He shared that a moment ago. But I believe if Brock Vandegrift is having the kind of like, you know, insurgency campaign here uh, uh, where he's, you know, going to have a chance to maybe overtake Carson Beck or at least be a viable option at starting quarterback if something happens with Carson, once again, I believe that Georgia will be more than happy to leak that kind of thing out because good news always leaks, bad news never does. So just keep that in mind in terms of how the rumor mill operates around quarterbacks here over the course of the next few weeks and with that said we'll go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and you don't need a leak on this you don't need rumor mill you don't need anything this is on the record confirmation there is nothing better for you in 2024 than the chance to take a royal caribbean cruise vacation because we've got so many brand new things debuting from our friends at royal caribbean it's time now to know about that and make plans to be a part of it whether it be in january when icon of the seas debuts i have gotten a little bit of intel that there may be an opportunity to have an early stop on icon of the seas for me a little a little opportunity there kind of working on that now we'll see if that works out and plays out the way that i hope that it does but i'm obviously thinking about the largest cruise ship in the world when it debuts and the way in which it's going to completely change the cruise game because what royal caribbean does with these you know ships now is you have the various neighborhoods and these are like you know areas on the ship that kind of create a feeling almost like you're on land whether it be like a central park or like a boardwalk or like in, in the case of icon of the seas the largest water park at sea it's like a combination of a beach resort and a, and, and a, and a water park and a, and a and a theme park it's just like the whole thing all combined together and i can't wait to experience that in january on icon of the seas i know many of you hope to do the same thing there as well and of course thinking about april there as well when speaking of an oasis class ship one of the largest ships there is the allure of the seas that's the dog nation cruise and our great friend jessica slater who's a wonderful travel agent uh she's got a, a great phone number you can call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 also i guess we're promoting the email now how about jay slater at dreamvacations.com jay slater at dreamvacations.com if you want to email her and she's put a great website together too it's called royaldogs.com for our dog nation cruise in 
in April of 2024 on Allure this season. Now, you need to act right now to be a part of this. Many people do uh, on a daily basis. Each day we're booking new staterooms, folks getting ready for this. So when you're thinking about cruise vacation travel in 2024, it's time to be doing that. Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent. She's going to help you with all of that. All right, let's, let's talk for a second about some SEC stuff, and then we're going to bring on Kaylee Manziel, and we're going to talk about a really fun thing debuting on Dog Nation tomorrow night. So I'm very upset right now because I, going back a couple of weeks ago, I made my official playoff predictions. Now, listen, nobody cares about my playoff picks. Nobody cares about your playoff picks. You might as well show your vacation photos, or your fantasy football, you know, roster or, you know, the fish you almost caught or, you know, recap shot by shot every round of, go- you know, the last round of golf you play. These are the kind of things that probably matter more to us than they do you know, the, the, uh, the other people in our lives, probably. But there's also a certain amount of ego that can't help but creep into stuff like this. You want to get your picks right, right? I mean, it's like I'm not betting large sums of money on anything, but I still want to get my picks right because there's just a little bit of personal pride you take with all of that. So one of my picks was Texas to make the college football playoff. Now, when you make a pick like that, you are already kind of backed into a corner because of the history of Texas is back and ha ha ha. No, they're not the most obnoxious fan base in the world. You know, you feel like an idiot from it's like you're like pre-dumb, right? It's like you're dumb before you even see the result of the pick because you picked a team that has a tendency to just sort of fall flat on its face and not live up to any of this expectation or true genuine hype year after year after year. But this year sort of feels like it can be different. This is a Texas team that probably has a you know pretty deep roster. They get a chance to take advantage of a weak Big 12 before joining the SEC. I legitimately think that Quinn Ewers is a very good quarterback. That's the one thing about Texas I know is true. A lot of this other stuff is speculation, but yours, I believe, really is a truly very good quarterback. So you sort of line up around the idea that Texas is back. Well, one of the big early tests for Texas, one of the games in which they have a chance to prove they are really a college football playoff contender and you know potentially a team that can be in it all the way to the end, is the road trip week two against Alabama. Now, Texas could lose this game and still make the playoff if they, you know, you know, win the rest of their games and, uh, you know, win the Big 12, they could still make the playoff by losing on the road to Alabama. That's not a disqualifying loss. But in terms of how they perform there is likely to tell us a lot about Texas. With that in mind, Texas special teams coordinator Jeff Banks, who ironically actually used to work at Alabama, it seems like he has given, I would say, Alabama a good bit of bulletin board material for the game. Gosh knows if somebody said this about Georgia, we'd be, you know, uh, putting on the war paint and talking about this for a month. So Banks, on the subject of seeing Texas go to Alabama, says we're just going to be playing in another road game just as hard as in Kansas or in Iowa State as it's going to be in Tuscaloosa. It's just bigger and more people. Now, I think we get what he's trying to say there, which is that we're not going to try to make any one game bigger than the rest. But the way in which our ears hear that, not just Alabama fans, but most of us kind of hear this the same way, that he sort of put the Alabama game into a category with Kansas and Iowa State, which is a very dumb thing to do. And all of a sudden now, Alabama's going to be frothing the mouth. Their fans going to be frothing the mouth. And the atmosphere of the Texas-Alabama game, I think, has been spiced up, which makes me want to scream at Jeff Banks here to say, can we not enjoy these Texas picks for like five seconds before you guys do something to embarrass yourselves? I mean, can we not have the satisfaction for a couple of minutes here of believing that maybe – this is kind of a fun contrarian style pick that has a chance of coming to 
true before you remind us what obnoxious fools the people in Austin are year after year after year. I mean, how can you be so dumb? Now, on the flip side of this, y'all, if Jeff Banks sort of steps in this, and the honest truth is, I think he probably misspoke. I think he probably would like to have this one back. He probably doesn't correct the record on this because it's not you know that important necessarily. But I think this is probably more in the category of a misspeak than it is an intentional slight in the direction of Alabama. But nonetheless, the damage is done. If after saying this game is no different than a Kansas or an Iowa State for us, and then goes on Texas goes on the road and wins this game, at that point in time, it is just over. The, the Nick Saban era is over. The Nick Saban career should probably be over. Like, if you can't get your guys ready to beat this Texas team after Texas puts you in the same category of Kansas and Iowa State, then we need to stop pretending. And we need to stop, you know, acting like, you know, that, that the Alabama version of what we see in 2023 has any ability to conjure up what it would have been in 2020 or 2015 or something like that. We need to acknowledge it's just over. Because after all this, if you still lose to Texas, he said you're Iowa State. He said you're Kansas. He said being on the road in Tuscaloosa is no different for them than any other uh, uh, road game they played in the Big 12, which, by the way, next year they're going to be in the SEC, so this ain't going away anytime soon in terms of you know how you compare the Big 12 road atmospheres to the SEC road atmospheres. But he's said that Alabama is in that same category of an Iowa State or a Kansas. If Texas still wins the game, then it's just over for Alabama. It's time to give it up. It's time to reboot. It's time to start over with something fresh and new that you've really lost whatever teeth you have as an organization. If you can't use this as the fuel you need to win the game, that would tell us a lot of what we need to know about the Alabama Crimson Tie. Now, moving on here uh, uh, around the rest of this. <laughs> By the way, I, I lost my rundown. Kaylee, what's the next uh, graphic? I need to remind what my next. Ah, there you go. Yeah, South Carolina gets a major commitment here. And I think one of the things that's interesting right now when it comes to the Gamecocks and some of the stuff that Shane Beamer is doing uh, on the uh, on the recruiting trail here, you see an element in which there is pretty clearly a lot of optimism across the board in a lot of areas around the SEC right now. Auburn has it after Big Cat Weekend. We talked about that with Hugh Freeze going back to start the week. Florida has it right now. They may not be very good in the field right now, but their 2024 recruiting class, one of the highest rated in the sport. You know, Brian Kelly thinks he can take a major step in year two at LSU. Alabama, Nick Saban, they still feel like they're a national championship contender right now. Obviously, George on top of the college football world. I may be leaving somebody out, but that's pretty good cross-section of this league here right now. And every now and then, you know, the SEC kind of from a vibe standpoint, from a mood standpoint, kind of ebbs and flows. And we are definitely in that moment right now where – a lot of these teams feel pretty good about themselves. And what I, I, Josh Heupel, Tennessee, easy to forget them, I guess. But uh, Josh Heupel and Tennessee, they feel pretty good right now, too. But what I love about the SEC, and this is why this league is so entertaining to me, both in terms of a Georgia fan who wants his team to win, but also in just in terms of someone who likes to immerse himself in the SEC uh, football conversation, uh, you know, it's not likely to last, right? Some of these teams who feel like they're in a good spot, it's just not likely to last. They're going to be disappointed as soon as this fall. Some of the recruiting stuff won't come to fruition with what, the way that it appears that it might. And some of these teams who think they have a chance to be on top, they just won't. In the case of South Carolina in particular, they bring in the five-star edge rusher Dylan Stewart here for the class of 2024. And, y'all, I'm telling you, I know that Beamer's not everybody's cup of tea. You're led to believe that Kirby Smart doesn't love him. Uh, a lot of Georgia fans don't like him in part because of that and in part for different reasons. He is the most underrated coach in the SEC, and he is getting 
the least credit of anybody for the actual tangible accomplishments he's producing. Big wins. Tennessee, Clemson, those are big wins. Real recruiting wins. Now, I think some of the stuff they lost at the transfer portal and some of the challenge with an offensive coordinator higher, I think that's going to make things a little bit tough for the Gamecocks. I do. They're over under season win projections, just six and a half right now. It's very easy to, you know, it, it's it maybe easy to go over that, but it's also kind of easy to kind of trip up here and kind of go underneath that, which would kind of feel like a lot of that momentum comes to an end. Beamer's not getting the credit he deserves, though. He is doing something real at South Carolina. Will they take the next step? Who knows? Will it last? Who knows? Is it better now than he's being given credit for? Is it as good as anything that Josh Heupel's done so far at Tennessee? Of course that it, of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, South Carolina beating Clemson is about as big a deal as Tennessee beating Alabama. Uh, what Beamer is doing at South Carolina is as real as anything that Josh Heupel's doing at Tennessee. But for whatever reason, you hear about Heupel all the time. You hear, hear about Beamer far less. And I think Shane Beamer probably deserves some credit. Getting a commitment from a guy like Dylan Stewart, it's a real recruiting win. It just is. That is a significant win there and probably should get more uh, credit for that. We'll see kind of what it all adds up to. But for now, Gamecocks, I think, have a, uh, a reason to feel good about themselves. So I don't have my rundown. Kaylee kind of enough to change the graphic on the screen, so I know what we're talking about here. So uh, our, our friends over at WarChant, which is a longtime uh, website covering Florida State, they talked to like one of the – I guess chance or key decision makers for Florida State. The Gamecock, excuse me, the Seminoles right now are really rattling sabers in a very big way about the possibility that they want to leave the ACC. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I've said the best understanding I have is is the contract in place that holds the ACC together, the kind of grant of rights deal, the media rights deal, um, seems to be a pretty hard thing to break up. Well, according to the sort of key decision makers from Florida State, they believe they see a path for to be able to do this. And they're going to, I guess, try to use every legal resource possible to get out of the ACC. You understand why they would. This is a football power. But they are, from a revenue standpoint, greatly uh, disadvantaged in comparison to other teams they compete with because the SEC, the Big Ten teams, just make a whole lot more money. Florida State, long-term commitment right now to the ACC. They'll be disadvantaged as long as they're in this league. Therefore, they want to change that. Legally, can this happen? I don't know. It's about to be pretty fascinating, though. And I also agree with some of the other chatter that I saw online. Listen, it's hard not to get drawn into like the realignment soap opera. I like it. It's always been kind of fun, you know, you know, rumor mill and all that kind of stuff. This sort of feels like the wrong time of year to be doing this. In other words, I like the silly season stuff when coaches are changing and conferences are realigning and we're kind of imagining how college football possibly could be. I like that in like March and May and July, but now we're in August. The season's about to begin, and yet we're spending, at least for those of us who care about college you know, football at a, at a kind of an intense level, we're spending a lot of time talking about what the future of the Pac-12 is, what the future of Florida State and the ACC is. It does sort of feel like it's the wrong time to be doing this, you know, it feels like we should be thinking about games in the field, but we're thinking about action inside of a boardroom right now. That's a little bit unappealing, but it's admittedly certainly not uninteresting. So we'll see what's next for Florida State on that. But keep your eyes open for the idea that the Seminoles, much like some of the bottom rung teams 
and the Pac-12 are considering doing right now, the Seminoles could also be looking around to see about their options in a new league there too. So conference realignment season, maybe it's perpetually here, but it seems to be here uh, once again there as well. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before I bring on Kaylee Manziel to talk about a really fun new thing, boy, boy, it got laid on his fast too. Wow, long show. Before I bring on Kaylee, talk about something really fun we have uh, coming up here at Dog Nation here this week. Let me also remind you that you've got a couple days left to get a nomination in for our Celebrating Outstanding Teachers contest, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. By now, you've heard me talk about this. Hopefully, you've made your nomination. If you haven't, do so. The teachers that win, and one day next week, each day next week, we're announce one of our uh, Kroger Celebrating Outstanding Teachers winners. Four great gift cards, including 100 bucks to Kroger there for you on that. And if you nominate a teacher and that teacher wins, you yourself also get a chance to be a winner there as well. You will get a $50 gift card courtesy of Kroger and a Dog Nation gift bag, which includes a T-shirt and some other stuff there as well. So you've only got between now and Friday to do this. Get your nominations in. We'll have our winners announced one day per each day for the week next week. All of this courtesy of our friends at Kroger. So make sure you check that out today. Something else I hope you check out this week is the debut of the Dog Nation Happy Hour presented by our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. It starts Thursday night. That's tomorrow night. And it's going to be hosted by our good friend, Kaylee Manziel. Now, this is going to be a really cool thing. Kaylee's going to have a kind of a rotating cast of Dog Nation guests. I'm lucky enough to be a part of the first show. Uh, Jeff Sintel going to be a part of that there as well. But I'm not hosting this show. I'm going to sit in the side chair and just cause all kinds of uh, wreak havoc and cause a ruckus and everything else. Uh, yeah, so Kaylee, uh, keep that graphic up there just another second. So I want to make sure we give people all the details they need about this. It's brought to you, of course, by Marlowe's Tavern. By the way, we have a really fun event coming up at Marlowe's Tavern here very soon. We'll tell you more about that here, there as well. And it begins tomorrow at 7 p.m. And every Thursday at 7 p.m. throughout the season, it's going to be taking place. And Kaylee's going to join us here right now. We're going to talk more about this. But one of the things that's going to be cool, in addition to Kaylee hosting, which obviously I'm really looking forward to because it means I don't have to. And in addition to uh, uh, a great collection of Dog Nation guests each and every week, Kaylee, we're also going to be taking those live Zoom calls from our Dog Nation audience there as well. So their chance to interact with you, interact with those of us who are going to be on the show, really kind of making this, it's a happy hour type theme. That means we're going to be relaxed and hopefully having a good time. This is not about super serious. You know, you know, we're not going to be getting the whiteboard out and drawing up, you know, formations here. We're just going to be talking and having a good time and no better person to facilitate all of that than you. I know how much I'm looking forward to this and I'm sure that you are there too. Yeah. I mean, as a upcoming 23 year old, I'm no stranger to a good happy hour. <laughs> so I'm so excited to be hosting my first ever dog nation show and uh, I'd like to think it's just one big R.S. Andrews cooldown with everybody. That's exactly Excited right. To take comments um, and get to interact with the Dog Nation folks more. And like you said, it's more so conversational, not formal. Um, I'm excited to uh, bring it to the table and see everybody's reactions and take some comments. Please take it easy on me, guys, for this first one right here. And I'm excited to be able to share this first one alongside of you, Brandon. I am excited about that there as well. And it also kind of satisfies one of the biggest questions we get the most. Actually, two of the biggest questions we get the most which is when are we going to get more from kaylee mansell well the answer to that is on dog nation happy hour presented by marlo's tavern and ba when you on takes more calls now because that's one of the things that we do a lot on our dog nation post game show we do various shows but people always want us to take more calls bring in more folks in the audience there and so this is a chance to do that more because honestly kaylee you know some of the folks in our audience man great personality so much fun to hear from uh just 
just an enjoyable way to kind of put a, like a face and a, and, and a voice behind some of the names you sometimes hear around Dog Nation and just just kind of fun to have that kind of you know relaxed interaction and getting ready for an upcoming season or getting ready for a game when you think about moving uh, into the week and uh, obviously uh, that's just going to be a great time to have that extra opportunity to kind of interact with some of our uh, Dog Nation folks. Absolutely. I mean, I always try to go through and read the comments after every show, and some of these people are so hilarious. I wish that we could have them and bring them on air more. So I'm more excited to see what the audience brings to the table, um, your hot takes, and um, I'm just excited to see what you guys have to say and just to be able to interact with y'all and see y'all face-to-face. I I know you by your username, but not by your face. So um, just really looking forward to getting to know you guys more and hearing what you guys have to say about UGA football with such an exciting season coming up. No doubt about that. So final question because this show is already six hours long. But um, if we're at a Marlowe's Tavern and we're enjoying a happy hour, what would be your beverage of choice? Oh, a Moscow Mule. Or Is that right? uh, if we're feeling a little crazy, sorry, Rusty Mansell. He knows I like Jameson on the rocks. <laughs> That is a girl after my own heart right there. You love to you love to hear that. Uh, that is good stuff indeed. And so more of that kind of stuff from Kaylee Manziel starting tomorrow night, 7 p.m. for Dog Nation Happy Hour with our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. Cannot wait to have you with all of us for that. By the way, speaking of great cocktails and happy hours and things like that, how about our friends at the Finish Long Drink there as well? Uh, obviously, this is the time of year which you kind of love that. You're thinking about you know, tailgating and happy hour season and everything else. And the finished long drinks got you covered on all of that, whether it's the cranberry, uh, the traditional, the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol volume, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. But by now, also hopefully you've remembered that there's a brand new flavor offering from our friends at the finished long drink. How about the peach flavored version of the finished long drink? Peach flavor for the peach state. It does not get any better than that. So getting stocked up for tailgates, having happy hours of your own. Maybe when you tune in to join us for the dog nation happy hour uh, coming up here there as well, that peach flavored version of the finished long drink, that is a good time. So make sure you enjoy all of that today. And if you want to find out where you can pick some up, Check it out online, thelongdrink.com, for a lot more on that. And after 2,000 shows, our 2,001st show feels about as long as all the others combined. I don't know how we quite got this one such a long show, but uh, nonetheless, I guess it's that time of year. Uh, let's close things out with our golden shoe. And by the way, great new golden shoe graphic that our terrific team including uh, Kay Smith put together here and Mad Dog sends this in Mr. 2000 it's me that's actually a um that's I think from the from the Rose Bowl going back to 2017 there on then I believe that's what that is uh the picture and then he's kind of got the graphic kind of I, I think this is supposed to be a play on Mr. 3000 the uh Tom Selleck baseball movie which listen I'll take that comparison any day of the week I guess uh but Mad Dog says congratulations to Dog Nation Daily on 2000 episodes of the podcast hashtag go dogs mike i appreciate that mr mad dog good stuff there and thank you for that we'll give you a well-earned golden shoe uh for that really cool graphic very well done by the way lousy stinking gators uh 87 days from now georgia back in jacks will beating up on florida again that is our gatorator countdown we'll see all of you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by Breda pass management we'll look forward to talking to you then